what the effects are if you fall for one thing that government does and what they really want from you down the road because you've fallen for the first thing. The old story of the, the Parthenon building is that there's so many pillars, each one is vital to hold the roof up. If you take one away as a concession, it puts extra strain and all the rest. It's easier to knock the next one down and the next one and the next one. And that's how rights are taken away from the public through compromise, generally. You can't compromise with a power which many people before me have said uh, wants absolute power over everybody and everything. They always have been the same in all ages. Back with more after these messages. through the matrix, talking about power and how powerful groups a long time ago, well actually done through many, many centuries, have taken countries over, even in ancient times. You find that in Rome every so often you would get a, a Caesar in there, a king, an emperor who would, would suddenly, when he was losing popularity, losing what he felt was his authoritarian voice, he would declare a national emergency. And you'd have troops on the streets, and they did go to town, and they'd do purges, uh, just much the same as today. It's all done with quotas and statistics, etc. Get so many in and execute them, and that's good enough. And the Soviet Union, we know, was excellent at that, uh, that procedure. Once they'd basically taken over all the countries that they planned to take over overtly, and then held their position, they had to find enemies within. Uh, and that's how government maintains its, its totalitarian martial law types of, of power. Since 9-11, we've seen a well-laid plan, a very old plan. Uh, it's not the beginning of a plan. It's actually just one section of an ongoing plan. The previous generations didn't know they were under uh, a great big plan to take over the world and run it uh, in a very similar fashion, uh, at least for a phase, one of its phases, as the communist systems were run. That's what Professor uh, uh, Carl Quigley talks about. Remember, he was the official historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, and he said the big foundations and so on were often mistaken for left-wing communists because they funded all with what appeared to be radical left-wing groups. In fact, he's your, your, your biggest millionaires or billionaires in the U.S. funding what seems to be left-wing organizations. Remember, too, that uh, order out of chaos has uh, various levels of meaning. And they're always talking about order out of chaos. The pyramid, for instance, on the dollar bill and, and in most Masonic lodges with the capstone and the light between, uh, is always standing in a wasteland, the sparse vegetation and so on. That's the general world. That's how they see it. Only the enlightened ones are above it in the pyramid. But the rest of the rabble, you might say, that those are profane people who don't know what's going on, but they think they do, are the wasteland. So their job, of course, a long, long time ago, and even in ancient times, was to bring order, their order, out of what they saw as the wasteland. Free choice and making your own decisions on things at the bottom is a no-no. It's always been a 
trouble for those who went along with this agenda, the same agenda, actually. Uh, and because um, every so often down through the ages, people riot. And at one time, they could riot successfully. They'd have revolutions and so on. But now, of course, it's a different story because with the rise of science, which has been brought up to the, the pinnacle with our tax money across the planet, and so many of the sciences, right down to psychological warfare that is constant on all media and, and entertainment, uh, you also have uh, sub-frequencies, you might say, harp-type frequencies being used and admitted to by people like um, Brzezinski in his book Between Two Ages, where he said that it's very possible and, and, and uh, very well probably come, he says, in the 1970s, that uh, this type of technology, ELF waves and so on, will be used to, on whole populations, whole populations, without their knowledge. They won't know why they're docile, they're laid back, or they couldn't care less when they should be worried about things. These are all high sciences. And we all know that under the war on drugs, really, there's been nothing more than a, a massive build-up of police with their equipment, etc., to be used very shortly on the general public. Nothing to do really with the drugs. Nothing will really do with the drugs at all. It was an excuse to build up internal armies and massive recruitment of policemen with their helicopters and some of them have uh, armored vehicles and all the rest of it. We will see all these things used. It's no coincidence all these things are up and ready with a multi-jurisdictional task force where police can work over in the Middle East with troops, like Canadian troops, dressed like them, kicking indoors and so on, and then come back to their outfits uh, back in Canada. Uh, that's not a, that's not thereby coincidence. They're training them for their 30 years of rioting, admitted to by the Department of Defense in Britain, and also the, the, the Department of Defense in the U.S. as well. There are identical reports, 90-page documents, on what they see for the future. How can they be so sure? It's because they know, those at the very top know what they're going to make happen. You don't suddenly have crisis coming out of the blue. You make them happen. If you're in power and you keep control of power generation to generation, you must plan the future and implement that plan. So it's a planned future at all times. You can't allow any, anything to come out of left field and disrupt your whole plan. So therefore, every crisis, major crisis that happens, is part of your plan. Totalitarianism always moves in under the guise of keeping you safe. Now, under that technique and doctrine, they can pick any facet of your life and take your rights away and say they try and keep you safe in this particular area. It's not what area it is. It's been used from ancient times to modern. Always the same. Even Goring mentioned it uh, in uh, Nazi Germany. He says, uh, it's the easiest thing to take a country over by a small group of people. He says, you, you just say there's a threat from outside somewhere, like terrorism, for instance, today. And he says, uh, you complain that the government's not doing enough to protect the people, and then next thing you know that the public who are scared witless with propaganda will either vote those people in or they'll simply move in and no questions asked. Same techniques over and over and over again. Since 2001, which was the kickoff, the real official kickoff to the century, not the year 2000, we've seen nothing, nothing but 
crisis after crisis after crisis. The whole world has been turned upside down. Most people haven't seen the full effects of it yet. It's been familiarized with police on the streets and major cities with machine guns and stuff like that. But they haven't seen all of the machinery that's been put into place to deal with the up-and-coming crisis that are still to happen. What kind of governments do the world have? They have front governments, just like the United Nations itself is a front organization. Fronting for what? Well, it's the rich men, like the same, same rich men, actually, as your nation's front for, with their, 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 their basic uh, governments. If you're a government in any country, how come no country has changed their laws to do with bank crisis? How come it's never happened? How come every bank uh, has got refunded for all the money they blew or lost or gambled or pocketed or whatever from the taxpayer? This uniform technique across the world, but nobody's moved in and says, that's enough of that. This is broken. We'll fix it. No one's going to fix it. All they do is reward the same investors and bankers for, for it's what they do once or twice every century. They let you accumulate and they plunder you. This is standard procedure. So the politicians are obviously not there to serve the public. When they take your money and throw it at the, at the guys who just robbed the, the world, the entire planet. That's who they're there to protect. It's so obvious. And so far, I haven't seen any laws put in place to stop it from happening again. That tells you all you need to know. I used to wonder about the last so-called Great Depression. Uh, and um, supposedly John Maynard Keynes came in to help uh, set up the IMF so that it would never happen again, which is all utter nonsense. Nothing really changed. They left it wide open to be done again. An article by George Soros a few years ago in a British, or all the British newspapers, a half-page story where he admitted how he'd sunk the cash of Britain, the Bank of England, by phoning up to his friends, pumping money into the stock market, creating a panic and then withdrawing it all, creating a bigger panic and buying it all up for peanuts. And the British taxpayer again was put on the tab because the government went to the same bankers, borrowed billions of them to get the pound floating once more. And, and there's no law against doing that. The guy could boast about it in the newspapers. So how come no government goes after these guys, makes laws so they can't do this again? Because they're not working for you. I don't think there's a government across the planet today where the top people are not handpicked by the same few. I very much doubt it. And it is no coincidence that the big players from the, the east and west sides, both sides, the communist sides that went through the Cold War and even pre-communist, but it's no, it's no coincidence that the, 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 the aristocracy of Britain were writing about the future world we're bringing in, and they were identical to the communists. Communism was never, ever about the people owning anything because you always had this hereditary elite who spoke on behalf of the people and told them what they were going to get or not get the keepers you see it's an elitist organization Lenin said it himself he says there's three versions of it one for the masses that they will use at the last minute one for the, for the managerial class and one for the ones who really rule it three different formulas three different doctrines and, of course, as I say, you go back to the West, and there's 
Bertrand Russell, Lord Bertrand Russell, and a whole bunch of his kin in the Huxleys, etc., Oh, and they're still at it too, by their descendants, by the way. I've mentioned who their descendants are today. Stop there, Tom. We must kill off the people and get rid of too many people, etc., etc. Survival of the fittest. And bring in this socialized system where everyone at the bottom just does what they're told. Tidy. Again, order out of chaos. How can you bring in their kind of order? Well, you must destroy everything that stopped them taking over before. That's how you must do it. What do people have? In days gone by, even from the earliest times, you had tribalism, you had a tribal culture, you would fight, and so on. Yet strong families up into the 20th century, all being destroyed by design, order out of chaos to bring in the new. Back with more after these messages. Cutting through the matrix, talking about how tyranny works and how a very old agenda, implemented over a long period of time, Fabian style, has worked very successfully because we don't like very fast, rapid, great changes, but we do accept the minor changes and the occasional a big one once in a blue moon. Uh, we're on a roll today. We've been trained now that everything has changed. That's why you heard the slogans during different people's elections. Change is good. No one bored to say, well, what change are you talking about? Change is good. How is poverty for change? And that's change, isn't it? Utter poverty. No one asks the questions. They just shout the mantras. Lenin said it. Well, we shall win by slogans because the public don't think. And that's what George Orwell said too. An animal farm where the, the vast amount of the animals have been along with everything, the sheep, which they say four legs good, two legs bad, till one day the pig changed it and they all echoed him without noticing that, that two legs were good and four legs were bad. That's, that's, sorry to say it, but that's the general masses. That's how they go along. Tyranny is sometimes defined uh, and compared with, say, legitimate government. Legitimate government is where people are asked if they even want it. Remember, government is an idea. Just like a price. A price is an idea. There's nothing fixed in the heavens. There's no, there's no great um, word of God coming down, hitting us all at the same time and letting us know. It's someone, some human being's idea. And therefore, human beings always try to usurp power at the very top. We don't realize that, that for... The biggest businesses and corporations of our, our day and for, the, and for the 20th century, they needed the taxpayers' money. They were so big, these big enterprises, they had to have taxpayers' money to do it. So the biggest money pots in your country is always run by whoever's, whichever central government is set up with the tax system to get it back from you, all the stuff that they borrow and spend and overspend. You've got to get it from you. You're down as a guarantor, you see. And under laws that have never been changed, those who owe more money are, are slaves. Never been changed that well. You won't find it anywhere in democracy that have changed that. And it's, it's not just that. When they say that a debt won't be paid off for 50, 100 years, a particular one debt, say, that means that every child born 
is also born into slavery. And that's what uh, Thomas Jefferson talked about, that no generation should be born into a system with a pre-existing debt that they have to take care of. That is not freedom. You're born as a slave. We don't think of these things at all. We're taught to think about flag-waving and that's your, your emblem, etc., and to react the way you've been conditioned to react, but not to see and really understand what you're really seeing. Tyranny, again, as opposed to, say, a, a real democracy, there's never been one, but a real democracy is when all of your options are closed. There is no exit left for you to take. That's complete tyranny when you're forced to do something. No exit. Here's an article here, Monday, August the 31st, 2009, from the Times Union, Albany, New York, as for the whole state. It says you uh, flu shot or get fired. But 25,000 capital region hospital workers need the state-mandated shield, and the area's top sites say comply or quit by Larry Rulison. Says workers at Capital Region Hospitals are going to have to get a flu shot this year or face losing their jobs. The requirement is part of a new emergency. So you can do anything under fake emergencies. Emergency regulation adopted earlier this month by the State Hospital Review and Planning Council that requires all hospital workers to get the flu vaccine and that it will be a requirement for employment. Hospitals are quickly trying to assemble new workplace policies to comply with the regulation, and those that have been put in place threaten disciplinary action and even termination if workers, from janitors and food service workers to doctors and nurses, refuse to get the shots. The policy affects about 25,000 people in the region. Albany Medical Centre, the region's leading hospital, sent out announcements to workers earlier this week saying employees had to get flu shots by October 16th. Spokesman Gregory McGarry said the hospital may take corrective action against employees if they don't comply, although he declined to get into specifics about what type of penalties they would face. The hospital which will pay for the vaccine, uh, pharma's a great business, isn't it? And governments, they're their lackeys to put into law, is insisting that almost all of its 7,000 employees get the shots, even those who work at off-site buildings such as the Finance Centre in Delmar. McGarry said that even those workers spend time at the main hospital buildings for meetings. It's anyone who has contact with patients or providers, McGarry said. Now, as I say, there's no exit left here. That You would have not made some. And what's always astounded me, always astounded me my whole life, is how well the few with their Bernays-type psychology and understanding of the masses, how well they understand us all. Because they also know, too, that the power really, really is in the hands of the people. All power is. They need people's compliance to get done what they want to be, get done, even if it's to imprison you all or make you the slaves. They've got to get you to comply with it voluntarily, at least with a little bit of threat. That's all they use, intimidation, generally. But everyone could say, okay, we quit, or we go on strike. You see it drop very, very quickly, but that won't happen. Back with more after this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix, just talking about how you're not only coerced now, you're basically put into a corner with no exit. And the public have never realized it, whether it was gas prices in the past and different things. But, and, of course, you'll never get the cooperation, which the elites know. But, I mean, people can just stop everything themselves by just stopping everything that day or for a week. And you would see everything scramble very, very quick to change things. But that will never happen. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. And that's why they encourage organizations to come out and speak on your behalf. That's generally why they fund them. And they will see all the right things. But nothing will happen. Nothing will be done. The public themselves have to literally hear something from some source and, and just not go to work that day. That simple. Or not buy gas that day. Or not visit the, the high-priced rotten food grocery stores that day. And you will see everything change so fast. They need our compliance for every part of their agenda. But they also know, too, they've given us so much entertainment and toys to play with that, again, most folk will, will say, it's okay as long as I'm okay. I don't care what happens around me as long as I'm okay. I can switch on that TV, my favorite show's on, and I can play on the Internet and play games and so on. They understand that mentality as well. And we'll all suffer for it. We're, we are suffering for it. If folk don't realize what's coming down the pike... When government gives itself the rights to stick something in you, they're telling you that you do not own your body. The governments have already been telling us and, and putting it into implementation through various agencies to get people off land, for instance, to abolish private property and so on and so on. There's nothing left except your body. And when you, if you accept they have the right to do something to your body, it's not going to stop with jabs. It's not going to stop with jabs, because I've talked about this agenda so much, you should understand where it's really going. Familiarization. That's how you do everything. You familiarize people with something. They chip the dogs, they chip the cats, then they want to chip people, then they do it with Alzheimer's and so on to start with. And you say, well, they're already chipping the dogs and cats, so uh, I guess it's kind of natural to go on to people, you know. Or they give us all the shots. And that's, this came out of the World Health Organization in 2006 at the World Meeting. They said if they can get the public to start through mandated laws, taking inoculations every year, they can continue it every year all through their adult life by law. In other words, the masses will get used to the idea, as we always do. But if you accept the fact that government's got, got the right to put anything in your body from private, this is, remember, it's from private businesses, these farmers. They won't tell you all the techniques of making those vaccines because they're trade secrets, supposedly. But they want to stick it in your body by law. Then what's the next thing they're going to do with your body? Haven't you all been following the fact that the eugenicists are out big time and major media? I've read so many articles demanding the population be brought down, mandatory sterilization for certain sects of society to start with, and then bring out the scale, of course, and so on and so on. 
Well, once you allow with the government that it has ultimate total right over your body, that will be the next step. And once again, like that, those pillars holding up the, the roof, when one's knocked down, well, it's easier. Well, they already give us shots by a law, so what's the... You see, it's so much easier to go on the next step. And this is an understanding that the elite are taught. They're taught this kind of stuff, how it works. The Skinnerian techniques. If you want to change society, change something in the environment of the species that you want to change. Do something, get them to accept it, familiarize them with it. And they will accept it, then you, you, you move on to the next similar, it's not, not the sameness, but similar thing. Very easy. And that's the big mantra today. To cull, to cull down the world's population, got to sterilize people, the unfit and all the rest of it. You see, because the boys at the top, the big economists, the real ones, the ones that own the banks and own the economists, don't like in, in keeping spare pets around. They have no time for pets. And our usefulness, according to them, is over. We're post-industrial. We're a service economy across the Western world. They planned it that way. They planned what to do with us before they created GATS and set up China to be the manufacturer of the planet. China didn't have set itself up. It was done through years and years of negotiations with the West and putting policies into law and then eventually the taxpayers of the Western world paid those corporations. You didn't know that. Through GATS, was signed by governments. We paid them to move lock, stock and barrel and set up new plants in China. And we also pay for any losses incurred between the, the, the five and ten years during the process. So what do you do with a service economy? A service economy is when you buy stuff in and pass it around from hand to hand until the, the, the consumer at the bottom gets it. They don't believe in that. You see, service economies are not productive. Only the manufacturing countries are productive according to the top economists. The definition of a good world citizen at the United Nations is a good producer and consumer. You're a consumer industry if you're in a service economy. So, yep, for those that want the government to have charge of their bodies, I wouldn't stop them if they had the power anyway. You get all the people do what they want to do. But they have to understand they won't own their body anymore. And it's unfortunate that the actions of others always affect the rest, the ones who don't go along with something. Everything always gets into an emotional issue, an emotive topic to stop you from seeing the forest for the trees. Once you're in emotion, you can't see the forest, you can't see the overall above looking down picture of it, where anything's going. They give you emotive topics. When they brought in abortion, they didn't give a darn about women or poverty or poor women. They brought it in to get the idea in society and the acceptance and familiarization that government eventually, eventually government will be mandating abortions. That was what they wanted. That's what they wanted. And once you accept, like Huxley said, 
Julian Huxley, the first CEO of UNESCO, United Nations. He says we've got to dehumanize the public, get them off this throne that they're special as being human. It'll take time, he says. And also be a chaotic time at the end when they've destroyed all, all the realities that kept people together and bound them together. There'd be a time of chaos. Well, that's why they planned the big armies to take care of the chaos under a guise of terrorism as they bring in the coming food famines because now five agribusinesses own the entire food supply of the planet. They can, they can, they can cut down the resources any time they want. And then they will. It wasn't just the banks that a few families went, all, went after with a massive organization behind them, by the way. They didn't do it on their, on their own. Well protected. It was all the world's resources, and out of that they created vast international corporations. They think that's the right way to go. That those who deal with those particular items have the right to decide who gets some, who doesn't. You see, Quigley himself, Professor Carl Quigley, said that in Tragedy and Hope. The becoming feudal system that they're bringing in will be run by the CEOs of vast international corporations. Look at the guys in your governments. They're in and out of corporations and politics back and forth like ping pong balls. Because you see, their world, the world they're looking at is just too chaotic. It's just, when people make all their own decisions for them, it's just too much, it's too untidy, too untidy, you see. And they do, as I've always said, they do have fears against what they call is the less fit overpopulating and eventually weakening by one means or another the strains of the perfect at the top. That's what Sir Charles Galton Darwin wrote in the 1950s in his book, The Next Million Years, echoed by another guy in the States at the same time, at the exact same time. Another physicist, because they both worked on the Manhattan Project. See, their hobby's always been how we kill people and profit off it at the same time. And Charles Galton Darwin was a physicist who did work on the Manhattan Project. Eugenics has been with us for an awful, awful long time. But not just eugenics. It was a whole psychology and hundreds and thousands of years of studying humanity and how they react once they again accept not to barter things but to to get this money this coin because you need that instead once that's done everything else is easy because whoever controls the coin controls the public very simple in this world of what they call interdependence all countries have signed united nations agreements for interdependence it also means right down to the individual. You will be dependent on the entire system for every single thing you need. That's what they mean by that. Interdependence. The enemy of tyranny down through the history of the world, the enemy has been independent people, individuals. But look, look what happens. When the banks plundered, as they always do, every 50 years or so, when they plundered the world and then got the taxpayers to pay them for it, reward them for it, 
Look at the depression of the 20s, the 1920s. Now they're showing footage that was banned. Massive riots in the major cities. Nothing's happened here. Have you noticed nothing's happened here? Everyone's chewing the, the cud as always. Nothing's happened. The TV still works. Turn it on. There's a favorite show. There's a comedy. Everybody's laughing. The ads are on. Everything's wonderful. Nothing happened. What's happened to the public? I can't ever get around the writings by Arthur Kessler and others who were initially financed by MI5 to write novels like H.G. Wells was before it was MI5 to try and persuade the public through fiction to change their ways in a certain predetermined direction. And then he eventually went into non-fiction, as they all were told to do as well. Wells said that the fictional propaganda was taking too long to change the values of society into the new values that they planned you to take. And entertainment's a fantastic way to do it. Again, emotive topics. You identify with the characters. But the non-fiction of Kessler, he talked about ways to lobotomize that part of the brain that they were working on with United Nations groups for world peace. He said it was essential to do this for world peace. Now, what do they mean by world peace? Whose peace? He said they could use chemical means, viral means, do something in the water, in the food, injections, bring world's peace. Remember the definition, by the way, or one of the definitions of communism, and, and their definition of peace, I should say, was they defined it as the absence of all opposition. And don't get me wrong, lots and lots of people love socialism because those people, have, uh, you'll find their conditioning has, been, has worked perfectly upon them. They are perpetual children. They enjoy having their little goodies and their little routines that they come home to and play and so on, or go to the bars, whatever they do. And the big minds they think above them, the people they never see, the experts are running everything and dealing with all the big problems for them. That's what they really, really believe. And they like that time to play themselves. They don't want to know the big picture. They want it all to be taken care of for them. Well, has something happened to that part of the brain that gives them their survival instincts, would you think? People in powerful positions with incredible wealth, who take credit often for starting wars. In fact, Quigley said that this group that turned into the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute for International Affairs had been, had been behind every major conflict in the 20th century. Do you think it stopped today? Do you think when they talk about depopulation, sterilizing public years ago that they just sat on their hands after coming up with the idea. No, these guys believe in action. They believe in action and they implement it, but they can't tell the children. You are all the children, according to them. Everyone who does not know reality is a child. So you're their target. And yes, they have been doing it, as official statistics show. You don't get a plummet a nosedive and sperm count of the Western male 
since 1950 onwards through some fluke of nature. And isn't it amazing that they all admit that most of the Western men are almost sterile? That it's no crisis. They never mention it's a, why isn't it a crisis? That's because it's been caused by very big powers, that's why. That's why it's not a crisis. Otherwise, it would be a crisis. Outside their plan is always a crisis. That's the real world. So, as I say, if you allow people to start sticking God knows what, you can't analyze it. Your doctor can't analyze what's in there. The nurses can't. The staff can't. Then I guarantee you, the next bit after a few years of repeated shots every year, that's what the World Health Organization said. Once they've trained them and they accept that, all adults will get all kinds of shots, including boosters for all the old uh, inoculations they've had in their, their childhood all their lives long every year that's their plan so once you allow them to start doing all this stuff to you knowing what you know and what you've been taught on this particular show what do you think is going to happen to you and what do you think the outcome will, will stop at sticking things in your body well how about a simple little vasectomy now hmm? well, and you'll see in the newspapers well Thousands line up every year. Millions do for their shots now. They're mandatory shots. What's wrong with it? That's exactly how they'll compare it. And for all the threats of, of, of firing people not for non-compliance, they should all just walk out. I guarantee you they'll all be called back within a couple of hours. Big change around. Very quickly. That's all you have to do. I'll be back with more after these messages. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, just talking about how easy it would be if people were cohesive but they count at the top on you know the the ones who would bring uh, an apple to the teacher types and those who are just plain scared and timid etc not to go along but if enough folk did it they'd have to listen simple as that now we've got a caller there um, Jeff from Massachusetts are you there Jeff? Oh yes I'm right here yeah. <clears throat> now, now as far as the future is concerned I was watching a video on Zimbabwe inside a failed state. If you want to know the future of America, just go to YouTube and watch it. It's 25 minutes long. It's an eye-opener. Now, here is my thought on the swine flu shot and and the future in general. I mean, I, I really believe this. One day, people are going to be called into their work office, and the boss will ask the person, do you have your swine flu shot? Do you have the, the mark in the right hand of the forehead? Mm-hmm. Oh, also, we, we, we've heard you say bad things about the government in the bathroom to your coworker. Mm-hmm. And, and, and another coworker ha- has as a portable video camera that recorded your conversation. That's right. Do you want me to read the transcript to you? Oh, I'm sorry. We, we, we have to put you under arrest and send you to a concentration camp. And, and and have you put away, oh, and by the way, your wife has a second child. 
That second child will cause a carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. So we have to have your wife have a forced abortion. Yep. And and and, and you see, it gets more and more yeah. terrible. Ter- so they've, ter- they've said already that, that China, the United Nations has stated this China is the model state for the world to follow. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you have variations like Zimbabwe. When I watched this video, I had to shut it off. I said, man, this is too much like... Like like what Barack Obama wants to do, mm-hmm. make 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 the people starving, quivering, and, yeah. and and depending on government, and then you have some thug over the people to make sure they vote the right way. That's right. I, That's but all tyranny is the same. Again, that walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Yes, I, I, and I and and I just said to myself, and I just said, you know, I got to shut this up. This is too much like what Barack wants to do. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no food in Zimbabwe. Yes. And, and, and I believe the only people that survive there are criminals. You the criminals now are all employed spying on the public. They're the only ones that get a decent paycheck, yeah. Yes, and, 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 uh, and you know what? Also, if you go down in the, in, in the, uh, in the uh, YouTube um, itinerary, there's a video called Gold for Bread. Mm-hmm. So... so so, you know, it's, it's, it's great to own gold and everything, but if you have somebody rob you of your gold, yeah. for, forget about it. I mean, I, I I really think that we're already gone in this country because because yeah. you, the only way that you can practically stop it is if everybody stops working and people aren't going to do that because yeah. people are too happy mm-hmm. with, 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 with getting entertained and could care less, and guys like us are on the fringe. Yep. Before before I go, I really think that what's holding this country up, up to tell you the truth, is 60-year-old men. Mm-hmm. That's it. Once yep. those 60-year-old men die, that is it. It is over. Yep. It is finished. That's right. When Thank they're you. gone, the memories eradicated. The, the techniques to, to stop or fight something is gone. And the new ones are, are products of the state, exactly what Huxley said. They're, they're products of scientific indoctrination, Have and they love night. their servitude. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for calling. We'll keep those donations coming, folks. It's uh, really needed to get new equipment, uh, so that it makes life easier for me. From Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.